Hello, Logic friends. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by Cynesis.io. These guys have been my reseller for over 15 years, and we could not do what we do without them. They're fantastic partners, no matter what size your business. To find out more about their remote workflow solutions, check them out at Cynesis.io. If you haven't signed up for the forum yet, do it now at forum.logic.tv. It is the number one place for flame artists. We have nearly a thousand users, lightning fast response times, and over 120,000 page views per month. Plus, you'll get access to the Logic Discord server for real-time audio and video chat. Sign up for free at forum.logic.tv. What was the elevator pitch for Runway? Uh, for, for whom? <laughs> for what? I, I, I always like hear about great ideas or new businesses or new ventures you know, always start with like an elevator pitch, like, you know, a one-liner. What was the, what was the initial pitch for, for Runway? Oh, huh. as a business. Okay. It was, and it still is, I would say, there are recent advancements in computer vision and deep learning that are forever changing industries. We've seen this in like self-driving cars, robotics, healthcare, finance, yet we haven't seen anything yet in the content side of things, in film, in creative, in ads, in marketing, in design. And the impact is going to be so revolutionary, perhaps very similar to the way that kind of like digital content and BFX was, and the, the first kind of the CGI revolution was in the 90s, making sure that we can build a platform and a set of software tools that will be used by the next generation of creators with that deep technology in the core is the fundamental kind of like challenge here and opportunity. Um, and if we succeed at building that, then we're going to forever change how we think about content, how we think about creativity, and how we think about media. And so the, the pitch here and the opportunity here as a company is to really build on the promise of levering these new techniques for computer vision and for video understanding standing up for video generation and build really, really intuitive and easy to use tools for the next billion set of like uh, video creators and filmmakers out there. Now, are you a content creator? Like, was any of this born, like they said, you know, necessity is the mother of, of invention or whatever. Yes. Was any of this born out of your frustration in trying to do any of the things that Runway is doing now? Oh, totally. It was born entirely out of the frustration of not having these kind of tools out there. I was I went to art school and I was a lot of the things I was doing were content, art pieces, video, media arts. I was using more traditional tools. I was building my own tools and I kept seeing kind of like really interesting research and things happening in a space uh, that I was kind of like doing a lot of work on, yet I didn't see ways of actually using those in my day-to-day -day work without actually having to build things from the ground up, right? And so think about it as in a way you're you're in the early 90s, you see a computer lying around, you see like someone doing some really interesting work with like rendering images and you're a filmmaker and you want to like do or understand how to use that because you feel that there's a storytelling potential there. Yet no one ever built anything. And so you just like start building stuff slowly and slowly and out of the frustration of not seeing anyone else do it until upon you start realizing that it's way more impactful than you thought of. That it's not just like you who's interested in like using these technologies. And so I started like open sourcing or like having more people help me build this together and we start kind of like contributing. Um, and that's kind of, kind of the project, how it kind of like started and, and just born, yeah, it's fully on a frustration basis. Gotcha. So you went to art school. Yeah. What was the original dream? Did you want to be a director, a filmmaker, <laughs> something like that? And then you found this or is it more that you had a computer science background, but also had, you know, creative impulses and, 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 uh, and creative desires? No, I guess I'm 
I'm always dreaming, to be honest. <laughs> so I'm not sure if I always stop like, daydreaming. But my background is in actually in economics. And I was working a lot with like statistical models in Chile. So linear regressions, mostly doing that. And so when I became fascinated with this idea of computer vision and deep learning, I realized that at the backbone of like everything that was happening on that kind of like revolution was just linear regressions and matrix multiplications. And so in a way, I was doing kind of something very similar fundamentally, but applied to a different field. I just took that fundamental and applied to a very different field that I was kind of like personally interested in, which was like art and design and filmmaking, which I was doing in the side, what I was doing my more, my econ work. And so it was kind of like a mix. It was like, here's the perfect space for me to explore this interesting computer graphics and computer science principles in the scope of creative work, which is also something I work, I love, and having the experience of actually doing it from a different background, a different perspective. At the end, it's just basically very similar. It was kind of like the perfect fit and realizing that no one else was winning it at that time. It was like three, four years ago. And so that was, uh, that was a really good motivator, I would say. Yeah, I had my first, I don't know, my first conversation with someone who does machine learning. Maybe it was the same time frame. It was about three or four years ago. We had done some software development at the company I work at, and I started looking into computer vision as a way to, you know, just help the artist, right? Whether it was feature right. detection or, or anything like that. I had a, a, a buddy who was a machine learning how do I even describe this? He worked in finance. I, you know, I always, I yeah. always imagined as he was trying to figure out how to figure out the stock market, like that kind yeah. of thing. You know, I brought him over and showed him what I was trying to do. And he, he, you know, we had a whiteboard, which was really kind of beautiful. I wish I had filmed this whole thing. <laughs> and he had, you know, kind of broken down for me how machine learning at the time anyway, and computer vision, right. you know, I'm doing air quotes here, worked. Yeah. He kind of said to me, I don't know that this is even doable. <laughs> because right. I mean, he was thinking about a world of of transactions as opposed right. to and trends, I guess. As a, and, and when he started looking at at pixels and how right. much change there can be, no matter what size your data set is over a period of time, he just went like, you know, good luck with that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's but to be honest, it's changed a lot. Like the field has advanced extremely fast over the last 10 years, I would say. Like the main frameworks that people use to build algorithms and models are just like a couple of years old, which is like fascinating to me. Like TensorFlow and PyTorch just a couple of years old. And it's it's we're really like scratching the surface of what's gonna be really possible in the next couple of years as well. And so it's it's a field that's moving really fast because there's a lot of data, there's a lot of investment being put into it. There's people like uh, like me, like I guess your friend, who are coming from different backgrounds and who see an opportunity to just like go deeper into this because the field is so open to explore it in different ways. And so you see deep learning applied to finance, deep learning applied to images and pixels and videos and sound and like every single field. It's, there's an, an, a really interesting part of it, which is like your first understanding data. So we've collected for the last couple of years, I guess as a society, big amount of data sets and images and stuff. And so people can just start understanding, or computers can start understanding the content of those images, the semantic understanding of what's in those images. But now we're entering the phase where computers can use that knowledge to actually generate new content, right? And so that's mm -hmm. completely new. Like the way we've been rendering like scenes before has been by basically I'm like trying to replicate the physics of lights, right? So you have a scene, you you basically render a, sh a scene and for that scene, you need to like have the textures, the materials, the lighting projections, you need to 
emulate a bunch of like real physical conditions to get a rendering scene like properly set up, right? With this new approach that are like people are like ML and like that that ML is kind of like enabling is a really interesting idea where like you don't have to come up with those physics simulations. You just like input a bunch of data and have the algorithm figure out how to render those things, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think about it from that perspective, it's really interesting to see that we haven't as a set of creative filmmakers of creative persons or designers or whoever is creating use any of those technologies yet. And so they're kind of like software they need to build to make that possible haven't yet been invented and so we're kind of like in the in the beginnings of that happening and we need people from all kind of different fields to come help us ideate and think about this how old is runway how old is the company we turned three years old a couple of months ago what's the biggest pivot you've had to make over the last three years to account for these rapid changes in, in ml technology so we started the company more centered around like the accessibility of ML models. And so if you're a BFX artist, you might see something happening in research in ML around rotoscoping, which in ML is actually called object segmentation, right? And so our first assumption was like, well, let's put those algorithms and that research in the hands of the BFX world, for instance, right? And so you can use something that's pure research, that's kind of like coming out of paper, like off a paper recently and try to use that in a very intuitive way, right? And there's hundreds, if not thousands of those things coming up every single day or week, right? So our first assumption was, let's put this research capabilities in the hands of creators like BFX people. And the realization was that it's not really enough just to like democratize that access, mostly because the workflows of professionals, filmmakers or BFX uh, editors is very different and very specialized when it comes to specific techniques like rotoscoping, right? And so while an algorithm can definitely help you, if you are planning to actually use that in a very professional setting, there are a bunch of other considerations that go beyond just the algorithm itself, right? And so one thing is the algorithm. That's great. And then there's like a surface things of like a hundred other things that you need to have in place just to make that algorithm really work within your creative workflow. And so the greatest pivot I think we've, we've done is really understanding those unique needs, having an algorithm that does it, and then building everything surrounding that algorithm and realizing that if you just provide the algorithm raw, that's never going to be enough besides mm -hmm. just experimenting, right? If you're, if you're building like a coherent solution to a problem, it needs to be more than just like an experiment you can run, right? And so that for us has been kind of like key here. Yeah, it's always bringing something to you know to market or taking a, a whatever like a prototype and taking and turning it into an actual right scalable product. Exactly, exactly, and realizing that the the, the, the gap between a prototype and like a real product is it's uh, something wider than most people might think, specifically for professionals where you need like really detailed kind of like solutions being built. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Would you mind giving me a little rundown of the the technologies that you've introduced in the last three years? There are a few things that are core to a platform. The first one is this idea of automatic rotoscoping that we call green screen. So green screen is a system that's driven by an algorithm we developed that allows you to rotoscope any object or any person or any set of things in a shot, in a video, in a scene in a few seconds. And the way it works is that you basically define with your mouse or with your with a very simple interface like the thing that you want to remove or the thing that you want to like rotoscope or segment. And then the algorithm understands the semantics of your shot and then rotoscopes every single frame of that object in your video. So you can basically turn 
hours, if not days of rotoscoping into literally seconds. So that's something we released like a year and a half ago. The other core component of what we've published so far is a tool called InPainting. So InPainting can also be known as like context aware infilling or cleaning plates. It's basically the idea that you have a shot of a video, let's say, you have an object in that. With the green screen tool, you can remove that object from the foreground, right? But let's say now that you want to keep the, the background as it is just without that object. And so the way you can do that right now is like with context aware kind of like tools or use manually like paint over every frame, which is a very painful and time consuming and expensive process, right? Yes. <laughs> right. And so we develop a, uh, <laughs> we develop a system that does it automatically for you. So you select what you want to in-paint or paint over, and then the algorithm understands the frames of your shots, the video itself, and then paints really accurately over, over that. Um, so you can remove effectively almost anything from a video. Those are the two main kind of like introductions and in technology that we've put into the product in the last two years. There's a lot of things mostly on how the platform works. So Runway is an entirely web-based video editing software. And so to make that happen, to make multi-track video editing and audio editing on the web as performant as a native app, uh, there's a lot of like more technical kind of like backend stuff that need to that need to happen. And so we also publish a lot of things over there as well. That's crazy. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit when you were on uh, Logic Live a couple of weeks ago about how the, the, it seems like the company has really pivoted. And maybe this is a superficial way of describing it, but it's kind of like bifurcated into you're now not just an app developer, but like a platform developer. You're as you're trying, right? As you're trying to solve your own problems, you're realizing there are bigger problems yet that need to be solved, right? Like as one stage, it's a race to keep up one after the other. We build a lot of like marketing videos and all the videos that we build on Runway or most of them, we use Runway to edit the videos. And so we're like, we're using the product and like if something is working, we're just like, hey, we're our own users of our product so we can fix it ourselves, right? That's great. How big is the team now? We are 21 people full-time. It's a small team. Hopefully going to double that by the end of the year. That's great. Are you, are you doing more research now than you did before? We're doing more applied research for sure, yes. We've been publishing in a few conferences recently. We just have a paper coming up for CVPR, which is like a big, big computer vision conference. And all of the things we've been doing are very applied to the product, very specific, kind of like how to solve. You just have something published around like audio generation. And so the idea behind this is you have a track, you have a video, no sound. How do you add sound to that video that matches whatever is happening in the scene in the most effective and efficient way possible? And so we develop an algorithm that does it for you. Just basically click the video and it adds the sound for you. It's brilliant. This may sound crazy, but do your parents understand what you do for a living? <laughs> That's a very good question. Because uh, I imagine as an economic, like, you know, when you're going to be a, an economist or something, you're going to economics, yes, that's something that they can understand. Right. My mom has been getting has been getting better understanding uh, what the product does. At the very beginning, she's like, I just don't understand what's like, what are why, why, what, what the hell is going on? I think uh, she's been seeing some of the stuff people make, and like she sees like I don't know an ad or a music video, and she's like, oh great, Run was used to make that music video. That's how far as I understand, but it, it's getting better. <laughs> okay, so we've moved on from, you know, my son makes websites to it, it, she at least understands right. what the product. Okay, good. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, my parents are still convinced that um, I blow things up because that's <laughs> what special effects are, you know, they blow right. things up. 
was like, yes, that's right. what I do every day. I go in the morning and uh, that's accurate. I would say have my coffee and then, and then I blow yeah. things up. You know, yeah, totally. that's that's true. Yep. They got it. <laughs> Did you have or can you remember like an aha moment, like where you know where you knew that this was going to be a thing, that this was going to work? Sure. There's a, I think it's a few moments. When I was at school, I met. Are you familiar with Foursquare? For sure, you are right. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I went to school to NYU and I met a grad from the same program I, I went to that, that went like a long time ago. And he was the co-founder of Foursquare. And I was really early in the research part of my thesis and really not knowing like where he was going, but also don't knowing if it was like really insightful or like worth spending more time on. When we're, you're so embedded into something, you sometimes like forget what's happening around it, just like really deep into it. And I was one of those people who was really deep into a, something, but don't really like see how it might impact other areas. And so I remember at that time, I got the chance to connect with Dennis Crowley, that's his name, uh, the CEO of uh, Foursquare and the co-founder of Foursquare. Someone who's been building products and technology for like a long time, right? And I got to demo Runway to him, like early, early, earlier stages of Runway. And I remember he was like, like very busy at the time, just like, okay, I have like two minutes, like whatever, show me the thing you're working on. I'll like I'll give you feedback as a recent grad or as a grad of the same program. I'm happy to help here. And he was like very, it was great to have like just a few minutes with him. And I was showing it to him and something changed in his head where he was like, he was a lot of things happening and like he was really busy. He saw my thing and like for a second, he really concentrated and he's like, whoa, tell me more. It's like, why are you interested? It's like, no, this is really interesting. Like, I, what's happening here? And like, he started asking all these questions around what who could be built, what else can you do, how you think. And I realized that, like, I guess from his experience, he saw something else in the product that I wasn't really seeing. And I remember going out of that meeting, being like, this went way better than I thought. He was, I thought he was just gonna, like, <laughs> give me like two seconds and be like, okay, whatever, do your project and go off. Uh, but no, he was like very insightful and like very thoughtful and perhaps he didn't even notice like how insightful and how useful it was for me to come out of that meeting and be like, I really want to spend more time doing this. I think there's something here. And I realized that, yeah, I needed to spend more time building it because uh, it, there was something there. I remember that as a, as a big moment of like, I'll continue building Runway at least for a few more months and figure out if there's something here. And then tell me what it was like to get that first round of funding. Sure. Like, did you get rejected a lot? Was it the kind of thing where you pitched and you got rejected and you pitched and you got rejected and then you struck gold? Or? No, it's, it's uh, so the story is when we were building this inside school, we've, we got connected to someone at Adobe. Someone saw the project and then invited me to come and join like as a full-time employee at Adobe to build something very similar, like around that area, right? And it was the perfect offer, the perfect kind of like dream, kind of like offer to join up one of the most amazing companies I've ever, I admire, right? But I just I couldn't like articulate how to say yes to that. It was perfect. <laughs> I love the team. I love everything that was happening. But I just like I wanted to have the chance to at least try to build this my on my own. And so when I decided that, I kind of like my first thing was like, great, uh, how am I going to actually leave <laughs> for the next couple of months while I figure out this out? And so I didn't have any money. I didn't have a job. I was like on a student visa in New York. And so I had to figure out how to like live for at least a few months while building this in a full-time basis. And at the same time, we have some investors reaching out. And so when we declined or I declined like doing Adobe, I started to take more of the investor interests kind of like real. It's like, okay, this is something I could 
actually leave off if I figure out how to raise money. And so we didn't have a pitch. We didn't have a deck. We just had the prototype. We built, we're builders. And so we built something. Um, and so when investors started to reach out and they realized that we want to actually build this in a full-time basis, all I had was like a demo. It's like, here's the demo of what we're building. You want to see it. I don't know how, but investors just started to like reach reach out more to us when the words spread that there was a demo of something happening in this space. <laughs> and so we were, we had a deadline of like, we need to close this in like a few weeks. If not, we're not going to be able to pay our rent. We kind of like told everyone, Hey, if you're, you're going to like work with us, or we're going to like, like, I don't know, lead an investment here. We need to make sure we can close this really soon. If not, I need to go back to Chile and that's it. We were fortunate enough. Some very good investors uh, wanted to like support us and then, yeah basically send us a term sheet. We, we accepted that. We, we had a few other offers, but we went with the investors that we really like working with. That's great, man. Yeah. What's the biggest hurdle that you face right now? Hiring the best talent in the world. <laughs> Everyone is really trying to hire the best people and hiring the best people takes a lot of time. Making sure you can build the best team possible is, I would say, the most important thing here. I, in, a, in a way, like a company is just a, a bunch of really smart human beings motivated to solve something. The something is always changing and the market is always changing. But if you have really smart, motivated and uh, talented people, you'll figure out everything else. That's at least my thesis. <laughs> I completely agree. Let me ask you that same question, like from a technical perspective. Okay. It seemed to me like a year ago, the biggest mm -hmm. hurdle for machine learning and visual effects was uh, temporal artifacts or something, you know, something that seemed like technologically insurmountable. Right. What's the biggest technical hurdle that you face? The biggest technical hurdle, I think there is a, I guess going back to the prototypes and actual products, there's a big gap between building an idea of a product versus actually building the product, specifically in deep learning or in ML, where productionalizing algorithms is something not a lot of people had yet figured out. And so you are not just like building new systems, new algorithms, new techniques for, let's say, rotoscoping or video in painting, but you're actually figuring out all the supporting systems for engineering from engineering side of things that are needed to be able to have that as a product, right? And so those are things that has since no one else has done, like you also need to invent and from a technical perspective are really hard, as hard as actually building and training those algorithms on your own. That's great. How big is Runway gotten? Are you allowed to say, you know, how, how big of a customer base you have or a user base? can't tell like specific numbers. We have a lot of of, uh, of interest and users and companies signing up and like we don't have sales and marketing. That's the other thing I would mm -hmm. say. So Oh really? It's all been like word it's all been basically word of mouth and yeah. That's wonderful. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we don't, uh, I would just like, we actually were hiring for a head of marketing. Is someone here hearing this and wants to join um, a company reinventing content creation and filmmaking and creative in general, like we're hiring for that. But yeah, we're not, we haven't spent time or money in like sales or marketing at all. We're really like, we were seven people 12 months ago. And most of uh, the team is just engineers and like design and product people. And so now we're like doing a bit more on that side, but for, for most of our time, we haven't spent anything there. I know every time uh, I've had you on the show twice and every time that you've been on, you always say to everyone who's been, who's, who's watching either there or whatever, if there's something that you want, if there's an idea, whatever, this is my email address. It's, you know, and, and, and let me know two parter for you has any, what's the craziest idea that you've gotten and has anything made it to, to market. There's a lot of crazy ideas. <laughs> <laughs>
coming from the outside, from our users, our customers, but also from the inside as a team. Like we're we're very much driven by crazy ideas. <laughs> Good for you. A crazy idea that we had at one point was like, what about if you? Um, I think there was like a conversation some members of the team had, and we've started to see it in other areas. But um, what happens if you start like editing with with text? Like what happens if you like your intention like editors and filmmakers and creative people in general can first verbalize what they want. Like I want a shot that looks like this and they can imagine it, right? We were thinking, what happens if you can literally like take those words, those literal words and have them make a video for you, like have a system that understands what you're trying to say and actually compose a video for you, which is, sounds very crazy. Oh, wait, that sounds crazy. But I saw that, right? You had during um, Hack yep. Week. Yes. It was, it was like pros. Pixel Pros or something like that, where you could type in what you wanted and then yep, you know, exactly. 30 iterations. So, like, oh, it was crazy. I played with it. Yeah. So the idea was like, let's let's start with that prototype of it. And the, the prototype was like with the green screen, with rotoscoping that we built, we built an interface that allowed you to basically type anything. So you have a video, let's say you have a video of, I don't know, a few cars, you know, a road and a street and some buildings and some people walking, basically a street, right? You can type on a kind of like an input box, like red car on the left, and the the system will basically identify that car on the left, create a mask for you, and remove the the car from the rest of the video, right? And there's no mouse movements, there's no <laughs> clicking, there's no frame by frame, just like literally type. Right. And so that's the first prototype of like, there's a lot that we could do here. But that was a crazy idea to actually turn into something. That's wild. I have seen some crazy stuff. There was one called like Wombo, if I remember correctly, where it's like, you know, it almost seemed like a tool that was created for the purpose of making NFTs or something like yeah. that. But, you know, yeah. where it was like, I want to see a bridge made out of pineapples or something like that. And then in the style of Degas, and then there it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, there's a lot of kind of like fun tools, toy tools that have come around specifically for like more TikTok kind of creators where you can just like, I don't know, create an image and like the image will be animated in some like way or form or you can like generate a sound. Mm -hmm. So definitely like definitely more like we're more in the professional side of things. And there's definitely a lot happening in the consumer side of things with like these fun experiments as well. I've seen a lot. Totally. And I remember seeing seeing a demo, I think it was of GANs or of style GANs where it was creating faces of people yeah. from scratch, like that, that never existed. And you look yeah. at it, you know, you look at it, I mean, it's one of those things where, and I see this a lot with ML tools, where you look at it and go at the result and go like, wow, that's really, really interesting. Maybe it's a little weird, uh, <laughs> kind of creepy. And then like 10 seconds later, you start thinking about applications and you go, well, why would anybody ever need to license a stock photograph again? Exactly. You know, okay. Here we go. And that's when you know that like we've just turned a page and the future is going to be very different and very exciting. Exactly. I completely agree. I and mean, we think we're just, again, scratching the surface there. I think like, like for instance, for stock content and stock footage, there's a huge opportunity to just make sure that you can have the real, the content you actually need. Like a lot of the time I speak with editors and filmmakers, there's like a lot of their time just like browsing through assets and assets and assets, searching for that shot with that style, like picturing a few more years, just really going back to the idea of like text, but typing what you want and then having an algorithm like generated for you from scratch. If you need more, just like, hey, like defining yourself, like you need a special light or you need a special like a f like type of object and a scene, just like you can have it generated in a real-time photorealistic manner. Uh, it sounds really crazy, but we're not really that far away from actually having something. <laughs> no. <laughs>
<laughs> it sounds really crazy, but so does, you know what? Honestly, like two years ago or three years ago, so was like being able to click on something in a web browser and have it automatically rotoscope for you. you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of the things we were playing with are just weren't possible a couple of years ago. Very basic stuff. Like I, I remember like when we started Runway, I was speaking with a lot of like film editors. And at the time I was like, I knew object segmentation could be done at the speed and the time of what we have right now in green screen and Runway. But if you mentioned anything at that time to anyone of what would they like to see improving a rotoscoping process, most people will tell you like a better brush or like a, a better right refinement tool or like those were the constraints and the knowledge people People had at that time that was what was possible right but when i mentioned to them like no actually you can like speed up the process by 100x and like don't have to do the frame by frame editing just like how how like that doesn't make any sense like i can't imagine building it or having something like that because it wasn't possible right and so now it's possible and people are like oh yeah i can do rotoscoping like 10 seconds instead of 10 hours amazing mm -hmm. uh oh i need all these other things but there are a lot of things people just don't get realize are possible and so we're also opening the doors for people to prepare for what's going to be next that's great i remember first uh seeing runway it must have been like three years ago when it was really just a place to i think like you described it at the beginning of this like uh, an app store access. of models right it was yeah, an app yeah. store of models exactly yes. and playing around with with some of them in there is that still a part of what you offer or, or really like the ability to try out your own models it is. It's part of uh, the product. You can definitely use it. It's gotten the other part, the video components of Runway have gotten way better. And again, it's more on the, there are a few things that are happening. The first one is like research is happening, is moving so fast. It's really, really fast. And so it's hard to catch up with like everything that's going on. The second thing is when you try those models, one thing is to try them out and like experiment with them, which is great. But once you move away from the experimentation, you're like, okay, how can I actually use this in my day-to-day -day work? Like, how, what's the product behind this, right? So again, segmentation, like a lot of people were coming and finding models for video segmentation, but the models were not really performing as they should. They were like great ideas, but not really good products. And so our assumption is like, great, like there's a depth model, for instance, like allows you to get depth information from any video. Yet the model that people were using wasn't really that good. How do you build the best possible model that does video depth estimation in a consistent way? Well, that takes a bit more of time and a bit more research and like you need to build UIs around it as well. So we've taken all those models and actually build them in a very professional environment. But the other kind of like more experimental, we call it ML Lab. It's a laboratory of like a lab of experiments. It's still available for folks to use. Gotcha. Yeah, it's really amazing. I, I remember reading once about how it's like how one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody had, had published a paper on using, you know, like basically discarded motion vector analysis or normals maps or something. And they were able to use that plus a depth map to create a, a better optical flow, um, right. you know, model. And you're just like, what? I mean, these were things that you just <laughs> throw away. So it's, it's really, right. it's, it's definitely been for me anyway, like the kind of the most eye-opening part of the machine learning revolution in visual effects has been really just opening my eyes and seeing that everything really is a potential data source. Totally, totally, totally. God, even when you were describing using text, I was just thinking about, we just finished a project where we had employed a matte painter to create, you know, New York City at different times of day. But it right. could be exactly New York City because New York City has a lot of yeah. buildings in it that are trademarked yeah. and things like that. And so the process always starts with kind of rough swipe yeah. 
I can totally foresee a future where if I need to create an environment or a matte painting or something like that, I'm starting with broad strokes in a text-based kind of environment. Yeah. Uh, and then just refining from there, you know. Exactly. And ultimately getting something real. It's exciting stuff, man. Yeah. And we're just, again, scratching the surface. There's a lot still to happen in this space. Totally. Hey, Chris, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, congratulations again on everything you and the team at Runway have done. We use the product every day. Just look forward to seeing what you, what magic you uh, you guys come up with in the future. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me here. Big fan of your work in the community. So happy to be here again. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Everyone knows that Boris FX makes the best plugins in the business. Mocha, Sapphire, Silhouette Paint, Continuum, and the new Optics. You can save 15% on all of Boris FX plugins, either standalone or subscription, by using the code LOGIC-15 at checkout. That's capital L, lowercase o-g-i-k, dash one five at checkout. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by Cinesis.io. To find out more about their remote workflow solutions, check them out at Cinesis.io. See you next time.